Hey, hello everyone. Welcome to This Week in Mormons, the Twim Sisters edition with Ariane Smith and Tiffany Hales. Welcome to the month. What are we in? February? We're in February for a few more days anyway. Yes. We are happy to be back. Yes, we are. Um, okay. First thing, I'm just going to jump into it. First thing I want to talk about on my agenda okay. that's happening in my personal life. Okay. Well, because I have several things on my agenda as well, but you start. You go ahead. There's two things. There's much rejoicing this week because my children are going back to school full time. <gasps> my little elementary kids, not my middle schooler. But now, is this the week they're going back to yes, school full time? <gasps> they're going back on Wednesday. It's really a weird feeling because, like, so you literally have one more day of homeschool, yeah, or half day of homeschool. Yeah. Well, they they're out. They're on a yeah. break. But yeah, one more day, and my children go back, which is so weird to me. It's been almost a year, and. <sighs> Like, I, I'm trying not to be too excited <laughs> because we know this could be temporary. True. Um, also, the range of emotions I'm feeling about this right now is really weird to me. Okay. Why I, are you? I almost, explain to me I this almost range of emotions. I almost can't process. <laughs> I thought there would be nothing but joy. Uh-huh. There is joy. There's relief. There is anxiety. Okay. <laughs> there is worry. There's kind of sadness. Like, am I uh -huh. going to miss them? Uh -huh. I've had them around all this time. And like, I know everybody has been saying this whole time, yeah. like, you're never going to get this time yeah. again with your kids. Which is very true. Enjoy it. So I've tried to take that in. But at the same time, let's be honest, there were many, many days where I did not enjoy it. <laughs> that's very fair. Like, that's just the reality. And yes. there were days where I did enjoy it. And I'm having these feelings like, am I supposed to be happy? Am I supposed to be sad? I don't know what I'm supposed to feel right now. But I'm feeling way too many things and I don't want to deal with it. <laughs> so you're feeling all the feels. I'm feeling all the feels. There is not a name to describe when you have all the emotions at once, but that's what I'm feeling. Oh, we are so going to have to have a sister's lunch therapy <laughs> session. I had no idea you were feeling all the feels. It's just weird. I just can't process. See, and I'm not there yet because my, well, I don't have any elementary kids, mm -hmm. but my middle school and high schooler are scheduled to, well, the middle, the high schooler definitely, and most likely the middle schooler at the end of March after the conclusion of spring break. Mm -hmm. So, so you'll be um, there soon. I will be there soon. Although I do have to tell you, I don't know if you knew my new title. I am the hot lunch lady. <laughs> And as I said, this has one connotation to my husband, a very different connotation to my children. <laughs> so my job on the three days a week when they are home from school is to provide ample freezer food that can then be put in the air fryer for hot school lunch. Oh, well, they're going to miss that. Oh, they are going to miss that. My son was contemplating how much he was going to miss being able to use the air fryer three days a week. He was also contemplating, could I get a small one and plug it in at school? Oh, that's so funny. <laughs> So, so yes, I, I understand. So well, you have news. Oh, in the last five to four to five weeks since we have podcasted, a lot has gone on in my life. We got three big things that happened. I got new ward boundaries. Mm -hmm. I got a new calling and I'm soon to have a new son-in-law. Oh, so much happening. So much happening. So life changes quickly. Life changes quickly. <laughs> we had heard rumors for a while that they were going to take several wards in our area and create a new ward. And sure enough, that is exactly what happened. They lobbed off um, my two best friends in the ward and threw them into another ward. So that was, that was kind of sad. But here's what is really interesting. 
So they did this meeting to show everybody the new ward boundaries uh-huh. via Zoom. Okay. So they let a few people come to the chapel, okay. uh, to the stake center, but obviously they couldn't have a whole stake center full of people. Now, this is your whole stake? This is four, or did they just invite four wards the in wards, my stake. Only the wards that were affected. Yes, the wards okay. that were affected. And that was that was three or four wards. I think it was three wards, and then they created a fourth ward out of those three wards. So they do this via Zoom. Okay. But they don't set it up as a Zoom webinar. So. Oh, no. Oh, yes. Are you getting like screaming children? Oh, yes. Dogs barking, people yelling. I'm on the (laughs) steak meeting. Have we learned nothing? It's been almost a year, people. (laughs) And of course, pictures, you know, people. Now, anytime I'm on a church meeting, if I'm not speaking, my camera is off, and so is my microphone. Oh, I check that like 20 times exactly. to make sure because I am exactly. so terrified. Well, <laughs> we had heard rumors that our ward was the only ward in the stake that like successfully knew how to operate a Zoom, and all of the other wards were not having Zoom sacrament meeting and were not having Zoom second hour because they couldn't figure out how to work the Zoom. They haven't done it this whole time. No, they haven't done it this whole time. It was clearly evident to me from whoever it is they asked to run the Zoom for this meeting that that was not an urban legend, that people did not in my stake, other than my ward, know how to operate the Zoom. I mean, I am rolling on the floor laughing at the comedic errors of this. Finally, about two-thirds of the way through the movie, they make the guy in my ward who Uh does know how to successfully operate the Zoom a co-host. So he can like shut everybody down. You could shut everybody down. Put everybody on mute. Exactly. Oh, my goodness. Exactly. It was hilarious. So... Anyway, I just didn't think Zoom was that complicated, but apparently... Well, by now, I mean, if you haven't used it for church, you've used it for something, right? Seriously, School, yeah. I can't work, imagine that eight other wards in my state couldn't figure this talking out. Talking to grandma and grandpa. Yeah. Like. <laughs> Seriously, people. It's very poor reflection. Oh, that's But so an funny. excellent reflection on my ward that we had our crap together, well, so good, to speak. Good for you. <laughs> All right, so that brings me to my new calling. Now, you know how I, you and I like to follow each other around mm-hmm. in callings. If I get a calling, you'll then end up with it. It has been this much. way for years. For years. So last summer, they put you into the Relief Society presidency. So guess what my new calling is? Same I am the Relief me. Society presidency. Which is like so convenient because we can run stuff by each other. Exactly. <laughs> like, what's your ward doing? Oh, what's your ward doing? Exactly. Which is what we did when mm-hmm. we were both on the Enrichment Committee. Yeah. All right, and then down to my last bit of news, my soon-to-be new son-in-law. Oh, exciting. This is very exciting. Um, My daughter, Shelby, she is the missionary from Texas who got home in August, and in true due course, she is now engaged. She did not waste her time. She did not waste her time. Um, She met him on the Mutual app, which um, I guess it is like Tinder, only it is for LDS. This is how all the kids are doing it these days. This is literally how all the kids are doing it these days. There's like a swipe left, swipe right feature, swipe up, swipe down. I don't really understand it. I'm really not in the market to, you know, for the dating scene at the moment. It would probably be problematic since I'm married if I were. Anyway, but yeah, all the kids are using the Mutual and they met each other on Mutual and fell in love and now I have a May wedding. Okay, so when May comes, you are going to have to be report back to us all the how the temple works these days with weddings. I, I will. Because I don't know if I'll even make it in because limited number. <laughs> yeah, you might not make the so cut. So you are going to have to fill us all in on the temple happenings. Now, my current understanding, and again, this is mm-hmm. February, things could change by May. 
Only 16 people, including the bride and groom, get to participate in the ceiling. So that is six people per side once you, well, I guess seven people per mm-hmm. side. So, um, yeah, sorry, you might not make the cut for the actual wedding if it's still 16 I, people. I do not envy the brides and grooms that have to I make know. these decisions. I, well, that's assuming we can even get a temple date. <laughs> Currently, they are only scheduling our temple through May 15th. Wow. So we have a tentative want-to-be date of May 22nd. And of course, you know, Shelby could always, if if for some reason she can't get into the temple for a ceiling May 22nd, of course, there is that option for a civil marriage, except out of all of my children, there is only one child who would like be massively disappointed if she couldn't have the marriage and the ceiling all mm-hmm. at the same time. And that's Shelby. And this is the child. This oh. is the child. <laughs> oh. Every other child would be like, yeah, I'm totally fine with the civil marriage first. This child, sh- this is what she wants. This uh-huh. is her ideal. So I said, well, honey, you better get on your knees and pray then that you get into the temple on the 22nd of May. Cause that's about your only hope right now. Cause I even tried pulling some strings, you know, cause we work at the temple. We know right. the people. No, no, no. There are no strings to be pulled. They are doing this on a 100% fairness basis. Well. And you get on the list and nobody gets to line jump. I can appreciate that. You know, honestly, I can appreciate it too. That's why I said, well, Shelby, you better get on your knees because a higher power is going to have to intervene than your mother. That's so funny. It's like the old list at Wiveview. Yes. Was that a thing when you were at BYU? It was so a thing when I was at BYU. This is a hilarious story. My husband, Keith, put his name on the list at Wiveview. After his mission, when he wasn't even dating anyone. Because <laughs> it takes so long. Just for like future preparation. He's like, this will look great. You know, if I'm getting serious with a girl, I could be, by the way, I got, you know, I got, pretty, housing. I got a pretty high spot on that list oh, <laughs> at gosh. the married housing. Anyway, by the time we got engaged and married, we found other arrangements. <laughs> Where was he on the list though? I think he had gone to the top and was just like hanging out at the top of the list. Like oh, we could, we could have lived in Wyview, but we found a basement apartment that was well, a much better. You know what they call Wyview, the bunny hatches. I know. I was not so sure about that. <laughs> you didn't want to go live amongst the bunnies? No, we lived in a sweet basement apartment right across from the um, Marriott Center. I do perfect. recall your sweet basement apartment. <laughs> so, Except your parking sucked. Oh yeah, well... That's Provo. That is Provo. <laughs> okay. Well, okay. should we do some news we stories? We should. Okay. I was going to talk about this at the beginning, and I forgot. Okay. The friend to friend was this past weekend. Yes, it was. Jeff had mentioned this on the podcast last week um, that it was coming up. It is meant to be like the face-to-face that they do for young adults, but for primary kids. And like, I know Jeff was excited about this. I was too. I think just... Parents all over yes. are so tired of churching from home. Yeah. <laughs> Not tired of it, but if there's one thing that I've learned this year, and I think we've all been very grateful for, you know, that we've felt prepared to church from home based on the come follow me and things that we had been starting to do. But for me, um, I'm glad for that. I'm grateful for that. But one thing this year has taught me is that I am just like so incredibly grateful for angel primary teachers and angel young women leaders and young men leaders, like the extra things that my kids get from church that I can't give them is that's so crucially important. And like, I just have this newfound appreciation for it and realization of how important it is and how much support it is for my family. So to get, 
like the church from Salt Lake releasing something for the primary yes. kids, I feel seen. Like, <laughs> so tell me what your now. Of course, I I have no primary kids, so yeah. this was kind of not even on my radar screen. Right. What did your kids think of it? It was fabulous. Okay. Like five stars all around from the kids, from me. It was so well done, and I went into it not really knowing what to expect. Yes. <clears throat> You know, they said it would be very kid-friendly, but you know, you never know. You yeah. Know, you never know what's going to hold a kid's attention. Yeah. They did such a good job. They had a, a this like really cool set. Well, and my understanding is they built that set at the BYU Motion Picture oh. Studio. And they're going to continue to use that set for future face-to-faces oh, with the primary I kids. I sure hope so. Because as soon as it was over, I had the thought, oh gosh, I really wish they could just make this a weekly show. Yeah. At least until we get primary back. Oh. <laughs> Can this be a weekly television show? It was so well done. The set was great. Um, the stories, they did really short segments that of yeah. course are great for holding kids' attention. They had arts and crafts like... They had this artist come on and teach the kids how to draw someone praying. And so my girls were at home drawing their little people with the artist. And then they had this rock artist come on that showed the kids how to make, like, you know, scripture scenes out uh-huh. of rocks. And and then they oh, had just some animated, like, short features yeah. that they had. They had one... Um, yeah, it was great. And then they had Joy Jones come on, the private uh-huh. president, and she talked a little bit. And they had kids from other countries, and they had music and singing. And um, then they had the prophet speak uh-huh. at the end. And Joy Jones even cracked like a funny joke. And they had like bloopers at the end of the kids because the, uh-huh. the kids were hosting it. Just, okay. Just like with the year. Yeah, I saw that in, there was like a 10-year-old and a 7-year-old yeah, yeah. that they were having hosting They it. had these cute little kids host it. So they had a blooper reel at the end, and Joy Jones was doing like this funny joke. I was uh-huh. like, oh, look at her making a joke. Like, <laughs> anyway, I thought it was the cutest thing ever, and I greatly appreciated it as a parent of primary children, and I hope they'll do more. And I think that it looks good that they will, because when I was reading the um, press release about it, or what the church had released before, they actually said that they had this planned prior to COVID. This was oh, not okay. This a was COVID not a thing. COVID thing. Yes, um, Joy Jones and like the church leaders uh-huh. pre-COVID had said, "Hey, we do these for a you know the youth. young adults and the youth. We should do a primary one." So they've been working on this for a while. Yeah. So that makes me think, since this was planned planned pre-COVID, that we will see maybe yeah. more of these in the future. Okay. So I loved it. They, I, well, I think you will, because like I said, I when I read the press release with the article, uh-huh. it did say that the set is at BYU Motion Picture Studio and that they had planned to use it again. Oh, good. So, I'm very glad to hear that. So. I know. You know, it kind of makes me wonder if, you know, since they've got their set down there, if maybe when they were developing this, they worked with some of those child psychology majors and whatnot at BYU to say, you know, how can we develop this in a way that's going to be good for kids right. and hold their attention? Oh, maybe. Because it seriously reminded me, it was like, if Mr. Rogers and Sesame Street got together and had a church twist, only no Muppets. Yeah. <laughs> but like just the short yeah. little segments. Yeah. And it definitely had like a Mr. Rogers feel yeah. in like how calm and like yeah. quiet it was. It didn't work and, your kids up. Yeah. Yeah. It was yeah. great. So great. anyway. Okay. Next up in the news, we have to talk Texas. Yes. Texas. The poor state of Texas. Oh gosh. They've been hit again with like this latest winter freezing storm that we've yes. all heard about for the past week. Um, so there was an article uh, that came out this week about what the church is doing down in Texas. They interviewed, where am I? 
ready to cook. I think you put it on the bottom oh, of the pile dear. there. There okay. you go. They interviewed the area authority there, who is Elder Art Rascon, uh, the Area 70, and he was talking about what is happening in Texas for the relief effort, and he just, you know, gave so many props to the people there. He said, you know, we have so many church members whose own houses are flooded and yeah. pipes are broken, but they're reaching out and helping neighbors and and helping friends and people in the community. The church has, of course, sent truckloads of you know, Relief food supplies. And supplies down. Um, it also said that uh, this Elder Rascon has been battling COVID nineteen in the recent weeks leading up to this storm. Well, and I think didn't he have a short stay in the hospital too? Yeah, it sounds like it was uh, bad. He did have a hospital stay. Also, I thought this was very interesting. This Elder Rascon is a TV news anchor. Down I in know Houston. who knew. I had no idea till we read this article because it was talking about how he's recovering from COVID nineteen and he'll be back on the air soon. Yeah. Okay. First of all, who knew if you were an area authority, you kept your day job. I know, but apparently you keep your day job. And what a fun day job for your area authority! How fun would it be? You turn on the TV and the guy that comes and speaks at state conference is your news anchor with his and the- big, deep news anchor <laughs> voice. That would be like a really fun worlds colliding. Really fun worlds <laughs> colliding. Like, well, and we looked him up because we're like, who is this guy? And so he works for the ABC affiliate in Houston. And um, um, uh, he has very much the typical news anchor look. And we couldn't tell if he'd had plastic surgery or just a really good Photoshop. Yeah. He's, he's got a very smooth face. Not, he, not a wrinkle to be found. Not a wrinkle to be found. And I'm <laughs> guessing he probably has that smooth voice. So yes, that would be very interesting to have him show up and then speak in your conference. I know. I bet he's got a really good... I bet he's a great speaker. I bet he is a good speaker. At like state conference. Oh, yeah. So fun. Okay. So the other thing um, that was fun to see about Texas this week is this... Um, Jeff posted this on the This Week in Mormons Facebook page. Uh, somebody had posted a picture, Amy Slusser McAllister um, in Austin, Austin, Texas, Texas. had posted a picture of her church building that had cots laid out all over it. And she said that an assisted assisted living community nearby had a pipe break and had severe flooding and they don't have power or heat. And so um, they were looking for anybody that could help. And so their congregation scrambled to get as many cots and bedding as they could in the church gym and some in, Mm -hmm. you know, Sunday school classrooms. And it said that they have 50 patients and 10 caregivers in their church building right now, or at the time of this post. And she said her house is right across the street from the church and people were using it, you know, to come over and take showers and it's just really cool to see this picture of these cots all over the church building. It really is. I love, love, love it when I see pictures of our buildings being used like this, yeah. um, which we see from time to time yeah. when there's natural disasters or things like that. It just makes me feel just so good inside to know that we can We're do being good that. citizens. Yes. And that good we can citizens. use our buildings, um, which right now are not getting a lot of use. No, what, no, they're not. What better time than now to like open those exactly. buildings up for people. Exactly. In need. And somebody in the comments um, of her, of the post on Twim also mentioned that his church building, I don't know where he's from, is being used for COVID vaccinations. And oh, I thought that was cool too. That's cool too. Yeah. Yeah. Because they need these wide spaces. 
spaces where people can right. come and they can, and they spread, can out. spread out and keep people socially distant. But, yeah. but yeah, I mean the, the state of Texas and it literally covered, I think almost the entire state because, um, you know, this is down in Austin. The news anchor guy is from Houston and right. Houston was frozen. And then I follow several Instagrammers who live in the Dallas area and everybody was dealing with not not having power or wave rolling waves of power right. uh freezing pipes not having water in fact one um one person i follow she's in the houston area and she actually used to be one of my laurels many many years ago mm-hmm. and she and her husband and her kids live in houston and they are 7 days without water right oh now my goodness. they are, they are collecting the water as it melts and they're putting it in their big old bathtub in their house and they're getting buckets out and that's what they're using to flush oh their toilets till they can get their water back on. And she just was encouraging everybody on Facebook. She's like, please check your water storage and figure this out because we are seven days without water. So that's, yeah, that's rough. And they just got hit not too long ago with bad hurricanes. Exactly. Exactly. Texas is, well, it's been through a lot. And hats off to the saints down there who are Mm -hmm. making it work and making and, and reaching out and helping their neighbors as well. And Mm -hmm. just being good citizens. Yeah. All right, so our next story is about a couple, John D. and Michelle Amos. They are serving as mission presidents in Louisiana. And I know when they got called as mission presidents, I read an article about them, and I swear maybe we had discussed them on TWIM before, Mm -hmm. because they did not fit your typical mission president mold. First of all, they are both black, Mm -hmm. and they are both converts to the church, and she worked for NASA for 30 years. I mean, she's literally a rocket scientist. That's amazing. And he was a nuclear engineer in the Army or the Navy, one of those, mm-hmm. sub-military. So just they do not fit the typical mission presidency mm-hmm. mold. So when they got this call to be mission president, she had to quit her job at NASA. And she was actually working for the Jet Propulsion Laboratory and working on this um, Mars 2020 rover. And so they became mission presidents mm-hmm. in July. She missed the launch of the Mars oh, rover. Oh, that is such a sacrifice. It's such a sacrifice. And and really tells you, obviously, about their commitment yeah. to the gospel and I mean, to serve. I think anybody that goes and be a mission president. Yeah. Sacrifices, sacrifices a lot. Exactly. But this, this is like, oh. Exactly. <laughs> so they may have missed the launch, uh-huh. but they did not miss the landing because what uh, what they did is, um, I, I don't know if the landing was like available for everybody to see, but um, in any event, they were able to watch the landing via Zoom, mm-hmm. and they connected with more than 200 missionaries serving in Louisiana Mission. So they, the mission president, plus all the missionaries, were able to get on Zoom and have mm-hmm. this Zoom thing together and watch the landing. And she just talks about how excited she was about it. She said, I'm still excited, happy, just amazed. It's been a great last two, last two hours. And she talks about when she's watching it land, and Mm -hmm. she says she was nervous as she watched the rover's final approach, and it's nicknamed the Seven Minutes of Terror. Right. She recalled the numerous tests uh, conducted two years ago to ensure a successful landing. She talks about how they tested it over and over again, but you never really know Mm -hmm. because you're testing it in the atmospheric system here on the Earth. Mars, Mars is different. 
And she said, it was great to see my friends and so many years of hard work and labor come to fruition. So before this event, she let the Jet Propulsion Laboratory know, hey, um, we're going to have all of our missionaries here and we're going to be watching it. And so they sent enough Mars Rover 2020 stickers for each of the missionaries. Oh, that's so cool. Which I thought was really cool. And so after they watched this, um, this was even cooler. After they watched it, um, they allowed the missionaries to share their feelings via Zoom, and it took a spiritual link. And okay. she says, uh, or spiritual turn, she says, they linked the spiritual knowledge to the secular knowledge and faith to science. We've inspired some engineers out there and folks who want to work for NASA. I think we've made some good mileage with our missionaries and helped them to want to be inspired. They will re- be recording this in their journal. And it just talks about how they just had this very spiritual discussion Mm -hmm. about, you know, we know from, you know, what we read in the scriptures and what we have been taught that, you know, as much as we like to think that everything revolves around earth, Mm -hmm. it really doesn't. (laughs) Right. (laughs) And that um, there are many other planets out there and other Mm -hmm. solar systems like ours and just... Just to be able to kind of, you know, watch that and kind of, you know, make it a spiritual right. turn and see the hand of God in all of that. I think that's so cool that they let the missionaries watch. I, mean, I really do too. A lot of times on a mission, you're so isolated in your little bubble that you don't know yeah. what's going on, which is a good thing yeah. at times. But something like this, I think is so appropriate yeah. to like... Well, especially when give they're the missionaries a glimpse of and, their mission mom, you yeah. know, the wife mm-hmm. of the mission president worked on this really cool project. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I love that. I love that too. Um, Next story is, ooh, this is not a great one. Um, In Loveland, Colorado, a man was arrested for setting off a fire in a church kitchen. (laughs) So multiple fires in a church kitchen. He had Raymond John Ramsey had well, barricaded himself inside the church kitchen. Here's what's crazy. It's like 1.30 in the afternoon and somebody sees him climbing in the window yeah. of the church well, kitchen. And it said they had to evacuate four people out of the church. I'm assuming those are missionaries. I don't know anybody who's in the church building at 1.30 on an afternoon on Monday other than Except missionaries. Except for missionaries. Exactly. <laughs> so. I bet you're right. Because they had no idea the guy had climbed in the window and had started a right. fire. And anyway, they... They got in the kitchen. He'd barricaded himself in. They extinguished the fires. All was well. I'm sure there's damage to the kitchen. Oh, and he's got a number of criminal problems he now has to deal with. And it sounds like there were drugs involved. Imagine that. So, you know. Anyway, not great. Uh, Good thing nobody's using that church kitchen anytime soon. Exactly. Other than missionaries storing their Lunchables on their (laughs) P-Day. Exactly. (laughs) All right, so my next story is from um, LDS Living. There is a new biography on Dallin H. Oaks coming out called In the Hands of the Lord, The Life of Dallin H. Oaks. And so um, LDS Living had a little snippet of this biography talking about how he met his second wife, Kristen. So um, President Oaks' original wife, or wife number one, the first wife, Mm -hmm. Her name was June, and um, she had um, a year-long battle with cancer. And it said that um, during this battle with cancer, she realized, I'm I'm not going to survive this. And so um, 
she spoke to, they had four daughters. She and Elder Oaks had four daughters and she spoke to each of her daughters individually. And she said, look, your dad's going to need to remarry. You know, she was very well aware of this. And she said, um, I want you all to help him find a companion that's going to fit in our family. And I want you all to welcome her. That, first of all, there's many things about this story that blows me away, but that's, that's a lot of pressure. That's, that's number one. <laughs> you know, your mom is dying. The last thing you want to think about is your dad getting remarried. Mm-hmm. And here your mom is telling you, your dad's going to get remarried and you be nice to her. And find a good one. And find a good one. <laughs> So, um, about two years after his death, Elder Oaks is finally like, okay, yeah, I need, after her death, I should say, mm-hmm. Elder Oaks is finally like, okay, I, I need to meet someone. And, um, and part of that too was each of his four daughters had come to him individually and said, dad, it's time. Mm-hmm. So he kind of knew it was time and he decides to be proactive. And so, um, he goes forward to find a wife. Now, If you're a general authority looking for wife number two, you really can't hop on the mutual app and say, hi, I'm Dallin. I like nice long walks on the beach. (laughs) No, although I would love to see the responses. Oh, gosh. (laughs) So what what does one do if one is a general authority and one is looking for a wife? One calls up- You get set up by Sherry Dew. (laughs) That's what you do. Well, no, no, no. That was President Nelson. <laughs> I know, but I'm just saying he could have asked Sherry Dew, but he asked other friends. Yes. Well, you know what? You probably don't remember this. When he first started dating, he and Sherry Dew showed up at like, I don't know, the Utah Symphony or something together. And this oh. created all sorts of a, you no, know, a buzz and a ruckus. This. No, you probably don't because you were you were much younger. Oh. But yeah, it created all sorts of a ruckus when he showed up with Sherry Dew at the symphony. Okay, that's funny. It was funny. <laughs> and anyway, so um, so he needs to find himself a wife. So what does he do? He calls up his brothers in the quorum and he picks three general authorities and he calls them up and he says, Hey. I'm looking for a wife. You know any good active LDS women you could set me up with? I know. So. Who were the three? Did he say? He didn't say I who know the one three was were. Ballard. One was Ballard. Because Ballard picked a winner. Because Ballard <laughs> picked a winner. So now we're going to get to how Ballard picked a winner because this story is just fascinating. <laughs> so Sister Oaks, and as she was known at that point in time, she was Kristen McMain. She was 52 years old. She had this very successful career. She was an educational consultant for a large publisher of K through 12 books. She lived in Salt Lake City, but she literally traveled all over the world. And mm-hmm. she had, I think she definitely had a master's degree. I can't even remember if she had a PhD. Yeah, but, I think she had a couple degrees. Yeah, yeah. So um, she has this great job and um, doing all these wonderful things, but she still just didn't feel fulfilled and she felt like her life wife life lacked balance. So um, she was concerned. So she goes to her bishop and says, yo, bish, can I have a blessing? And so the bishop says, okay, I'll give you a blessing. And he counseled her and he says, if you do not quit your job, uh, you will have your blessings in the eternities, but not in this life. So here you are, a single woman. I cannot imagine. You, you're you responsible for yourself and paying your own bills. You don't have a man helping and you out. And your own retirement. And your own which retirement. Which is not that far away. No. And, yeah. and the bishop is giving you a blessing that says, if you want to get married in this life, you got to quit your job. 
So she says that um, when she heard the words, she felt the truth of them, and she knew she had to stop traveling and find employment close to home. Um, so over the next few months, she says, I wrote several letters of resignation and threw them in the trash. Mm-hmm. Finally, I believe on July 1st, uh, finally she gave notice. She, she wrote a letter that stuck, told her employer she planned to leave on July 1st. Of course, her family members are like, are you crazy? <laughs> and she's like, no, I'm exercising my faith. Oh, my goodness. So... Her elderly aunts um, are very concerned that she is soon to be unemployed. And apparently, M. Russell Ballard is a nephew to her elderly aunts. So this must be like maybe through marriage or something like that, because she is not personally related Mm -hmm. to to Elder Ballard. And so her elderly aunts say, we want to hook you up with M. Russell, because he works with Deseret Book, and maybe he can find you something in publishing. Right. You can get a nice job at Deseret Book. Get a nice job at Deseret Book. We sure do. We sure do. (laughs) So she's a little reluctant to do this because she says, you know, I'm not one to run to general authorities with my personal problems. Uh I take care of those with my home teachers and my bishop like I'm supposed to. But she takes the meeting with with Elder Ballard. And it, it didn't say what was discussed at the meeting, but it was after that meeting that um, President Oaks comes to Elder Ballard and says, you know any fine women? And M. Russell says, well, as a matter of fact, I do, and says, you need to meet Kristen McMain. So Elder Ballard calls calls up Kristen McMain and says, I'm going to hook you up with, with, with Dallin. <laughs> I'm sure Elder Kristen McMain was like, I wanted a job, not a I husband. Know. What happened to the job? Oh, I know exactly. Was he like, "We'll wait and see before we give you a job"? <laughs> there's, there's, there's no, op- there's no, nothing about the job. So, Elder or uh, President Oaks does call her up before their first arranged meeting, right? And so they arranged to meet on Friday in Liberty Park uh, for a walk, and this was going to be July seventh. And Elder Oaks says, "Oh, by the way, I'm bringing my daughter with me." So the daughter shows up on the first date. So apparently the daughter was like, Dad, we got to go take you clothes shopping. You you need a little update here to your wardrobe. So she hauls him off to go clothes shopping. Anyway, so she is a little concerned that this date is happening so quickly, but this daughter is only in town for a short period of time, uh-huh. and he wants this daughter to meet her. Well, she just had a perm, and so she couldn't really do anything with her hair because she just had this perm. She can't wash it, can't style it. So she shows up to the date in a baseball cap and Levi's. I do love that. I do love that, too. Which but she, was he wearing his suit? That's a good question. Do apostles wear their suits when they go for a leisurely stroll in the park? Because I picture them in their suits. I can't even picture them and not in a suit. I know. That is a really good question. <laughs> what kind of clothes shopping did he do with the daughter? Maybe that's why he had to clothes shop, because he had no casual he dating clothes. <laughs> he only had suits. Anyway, so she says it was actually a blessing to be in Levi's and a baseball cap because she was very relaxed. They had a great time. Uh, and then the very next day he said, let's go for a hike in the hills up above the This Is The Place Park. So they hiked for like four hours in the hills and had, you know, wonderful deep conversations. I, I don't think he had a daughter join him on the hike. I think it was just the two of them. But again, you got to think, you got to go these places where people aren't because otherwise you're going to be seen like what happened with him sitting next to Sherry Dew at the symphony. (laughs) And I don't know how long ago this was, but if it's in social media, you'll be all over. 
Exactly. Facebook's exactly. No, this cell phone was pictures of you. this was the year two thousand. Oh, so we, he was saved back then. He was safe back then. Just you know that Utah paparazzi. Exactly. <laughs> anyway, as they say, the rest was history. Uh, I thought that was I. I was fascinated by it was their story. Very fascinating. I have to say, it made me a little uncomfortable. <laughs> Why did it make you uncomfortable? No, it was weird. Just I don't. I don't know because I've heard Elder Nelson or President Nelson's story yeah. before of how he met his wife and thought it was so cute. This like it felt and maybe it was because the daughter was there. It felt like an arranged marriage to me. <laughs> I was like, I'm getting a weird vibe from this. Oh, that's too. Funny. It feels like her job interview is like a marriage interview. <laughs> oh gosh. Which I know is not the case. There's so much more to the story. Yes, but it, and it was also like watching your like grandparent. I don't know. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Grandparent dating. I don't know. All right. Well, the, <laughs> the book on his life, the biography, if you want to read more information, is apparently available for pre-order right now. I am guessing it will be a conference special to be released yes. the week before Maybe conference. that's what I need to do. Maybe I need to get the biography so I can see, like, how long was it before they got married from the four-hour hike they took? That's true. That's was a it, like, in a week or was it a few months? Like. <laughs> I'll feel better about it if it was a few months. I mean, not that it matters. He's an apostle. So if he feels like it's right, I'm sure it's right. Exactly. <laughs> All right. There you go. All right. Okay. What do we have? Oh, another apostle. Um, David Bednar released a brief video this week talking about temples amid the COVID-19 pandemic. So um, if you want to go watch him talk about temples, he just kind of hit on, um, you know, we haven't been to the temple for a long time. He hit on the saints in Nauvoo, how there were so many of them that just flocked to the temple to get their ordinances done before they had to leave Nauvoo. And that after that, they had to wait decades to be able to return to the temple. And um, the title of the video was, Is the Temple in Us? Um, so are we still holding those covenants close to us, even though it has been nearly a year for most of us Yeah, and we don't know when it will be. Exactly. Um, So just a little reminder from him about, you know, the saints in Nauvoo had to wait longer, but they kept their covenants. Very true. So, okay. Our next story is, um, Gerald Otley, and some of you may or may not remember him, he was the choir director of what was then the Mormon Tabernacle Choir, which is now the Tabernacle Choir at Temple Square, aka Tabcats. He was the director from 1972 to 1999, and he passed away this week after a lengthy of, of course, COVID-19 related illness. Very, very sad. Um, it really talks about how the article, this was in the Deseret News, really talks about how he set the trajectory for the current choir. Um, as we know, after he retired, Mac Wilberg came in and he, of course, has taken the choir to that next level. But um, while uh, Brother Otley was the choir director, um, there was a lot of just refinement going on in the choir. Um, 
he made significant changes. Um, he made their trademark sound in pure harmony with the dignity and the variety of music that is performed. He formulated the policy that singers will retire at 60 or following 20 years of service, whichever comes first. He made changes to attendance policy, seating arrangements, implemented a more structured and formalized choir. He really took it from being an amateur choir to being a professional choir, the likes of which, of course, we see these days. It also talks about some of the musical things he did after he retired, that he spent time as an administrator and teacher for the Mormon Tabernacle Choir Training School at Temple Square. And what did I did you know that was a thing? I did not know that was a thing. <laughs> Apparently there's a training choir. I don't know like if you have to be in the training choir before you get into the big choir. I, I don't I don't really know. But um anyway, the other thing that I really liked about this is after COVID came around, this was before he was obviously diagnosed with COVID. Um, he would go around circling his neighborhood and ward to help provide the sacrament ordinances to those remaining in their residence. And so he would just really live this life of service. Um, he was 86 years old. So mm-hmm. anyway, sad that it was a COVID related illness that he died from, but, yeah. um, certainly want to honor his life and the significant contributions that he made to the choir that we have these days. Yep. All right. Um, next article. This was one by Jana Reese. Oh, <laughs> this one just came out today. We um, take a big long breath whenever it's Jana Reese. <laughs> it's called the latter day Saint Jesus can handle your grief and pain. Um, this article really caught my attention. Um, it, she started off by talking about a few years ago, um, in 2017, when Joy Jones, uh, the primary president, we've talked about her a lot this episode. We really have. Um, spoke in conference, um, the, we've, and I remember hearing this after the fact, the day before she spoke in conference that year, her son passed away from, I think it was cancer. Um, she didn't mention it. She spoke in conference, remained very composed, which is mind blowing. I think we were all shocked. Um, when we did hear this, my goodness, what a burden yeah. to bear. Yeah. Um, and so Jana Reese was talking about that, that she didn't mention this. Jana Reese says, you know, that's understandable. She probably didn't want to break down in front of an entire global church yeah. talking about her son, which is totally understandable. Um, but she said that she just recently did a podcast interview with the church podcasts, you know, the church, the church news podcast, putting out new podcasts. And so Jana Reese went to listen to it thinking, um, oh, she's probably going to discuss this now. Um, because they had, they must've said something in the teaser. Yeah. they mu- that, And I saw that she was listed as uh-huh. a podcast guest, but I didn't, yeah. I have not listened to it. And this is the same podcast that Elder Holland was on, that he was very open and forthright with on the podcast. That's right. So um, Jana Reese goes to listen to this podcast thinking, oh, she'll probably go a little bit deeper Mm -hmm. into what she went through at that time. And Jana Reese found the interview a bit bewildering, was was her quote. Um, She said that, you know, she, and I could tell she was like, being cautiously like she didn't want to be too critical yes, of sister Jones. She's cautiously treading into this territory, okay. but she said, um, you know, while she thinks sister president Jones is like, obviously a lovely person. 
um, when she was doing this interview in the podcast, she just felt like she tiptoed around the death of her son. She didn't even say he died. It was like, she used words like his passing when he left his earth life, um, passing through the veil. And she said she left feeling like, um, Joy Jones wasn't acknowledging like her grief. Mm -hmm. Um, and she said, this was a quote from the podcast with sister Jones. She said, I'm so sad and I miss my son, but I cannot feel grief because I have not lost him. Um, and then she said, it's hard to say that I'm grateful for that experience, but aren't we to be grateful in all things? She said, and I am grateful for what I've learned and for what heavenly father taught me. So it just left Jana Reese feeling like wanting more, like, and she says, you know, I hope privately president Jones also cycled through some anger and bargaining, which you assume she would. Cause those are stages. Of yeah. Grief. And depression and, you know, all the stages of grief, but she was feeling a little let down that she, in this interview where she could have gone a little bit deeper, um, did not acknowledge any of that publicly. And she's, um, Jana Reese said, we've unwittingly created a culture in which is considered unbelieving to rail at God or, you know, to admit mm-hmm. that we struggled with this and it was hard and we doubted or we were angry. Yeah. Um, and then she, you know, talks about Jesus in the scriptures, how he set the exa- example. He was not afraid of grief or anger. Um, she talked about when he went to raise Lazarus, uh-huh. he wept, you know, um, and didn't apologize for his tears. And, and she's just saying, you know, as a church, have we built this culture where we can't, um, be vulnerable, especially in leadership, you know? Yeah. Um, we, and she says, you know, we're not really ministering to the hurting if we also can't share our hurts yeah. with each other. Like, how are we supposed to minister to those who are hurting if we can't admit that we feel those yeah. things too? Um, so this was really interesting article for me. It's, you know, if everybody grieves differently and it's hard to judge the way someone grieves, but this far out, you know, a few years out, um, and who knows, you know, we don't know what she went through, but I could see it just being so um, helpful to people yeah. if she could share some of the hard times. Exactly. I have a lot of thoughts on this. <laughs> the reason I have a lot of thoughts on this is I kind of feel like when it comes to grief, I got the PhD, uh-huh. you know, just because, I mean, both of us, I, I was 22, you were 10 and a half when our mother passed away, which was beyond significant. Mm-hmm. And then, and all of the grief associated with that. And then of course, you know, my divorce and all of the grief associated with that and our father dying and mm-hmm. all of the grief associated with that. And there are just stages of grief and, and it's so natural. And it is so natural. Mm-hmm. And to, you know, to set this up as the example, because she references her little grandson who was like, oh, yeah, my daddy's my guardian angel. Mm-hmm. I mean, and, and yes, that is very true. I'm not saying that anything she said wasn't true. But, you know, you know, as a kid at 10 and a half, I mean, you processed grief as a kid. You pro- Then you reprocessed it as a teenager and you mm-hmm. reprocessed it as an adult. Um, as you just become more mature and you just, you have to, to deal with that. And, 
if we set this up as an example of, oh, we shouldn't be sad. We should think of them as a guardian angel. Then when those natural feelings come, such as the anger, I was stuck in anger for a really long time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, when those natural feelings come, are those feelings then suppressed or are they worked through? Right. And if they're suppressed, they're going to come out in other ways. You know, her perspective that she has now about, you know, oh, I haven't lost him and he's a guardian angel. I very much feel that way about our mother these mm-hmm. days, but I didn't feel that way 30 years ago. It took me time mm-hmm. processing grief. It took me maturity to get to that point. And, and I wish, like you said, that, you know, and, and maybe she didn't feel those things and that's fine. Right. But for her to just acknowledge, you know, there, uh, you know, there are natural stages of grief and it's okay mm-hmm. to go through those so that people who, when they go through those stages, don't feel guilty because they're not processing it the way right. their church leaders have. Well, it makes me kind of sad for her if she really does feel like in her leadership role, this is how she has to present. That's true too. And maybe that's and how she I feels. I don't know if that's how she feels, but part of me thinks, oh gosh, that's awful if that's yeah. how she feels. Like, like we, I feel like we as members of a church, of the church, love her as much as she loves us. And we would pray for her and feel exactly. for her if she admitted that, you know, and, and, uh, I think, especially if I think it's great that if she's come to that place where, Oh, but if she could also acknowledge that it took her a while to get there exactly, or before she felt that she felt that exactly, exactly. So, or like I said, even if she didn't for her to just acknowledge you know, I've spoken with other people and they've experienced grief in these kind of stages. Yeah. And, and, you know, my testimony was such, you know, that, that I didn't, but right. acknowledge that it's okay to go through those stages of grief. Right. Yeah. And that it's healthy. Yeah. I don't know. It just makes me wonder what kind of pressure we put on our leaders to be these perfect, you know, that's yeah. And, and, and that, and that could be, you know, and we don't know, I mean, you yeah. and I are just, are just speculating, speculating here, but I do kind of agree with Jana that maybe the interview could have been much mm-hmm. more. Yeah. So on many levels, it was an interesting article. Um, another article also related to grief. Um, this was another LDS, this was LDS living and this was they did a podcast and I have not listened to it. I just read the article about it and you too, but both of us were like, we got to go listen to this podcast. It sounds amazing. They did. They have a new podcast series called um, the LDS living storytelling podcast. It's called, this is the gospel. This is the gospel. It is a storytelling podcast. They just tell different, you know, gospel stories from members, just, you know, like you and me. So they did this one with this woman named Becky. They didn't say her last name. Um, but her daughter committed suicide. Her daughter, Amber, who was in her early 20s, it sounds like college student, committed suicide. And, um, of course, that was awful. And while she was going through her daughter's belongings, she found out that her daughter had secretly been donating to an orphanage in India some of her money that she'd been saving for college. Yeah. She had been secretly donating every month to this orphanage in India. Um, Becky... 
as she struggled through her grief, you know, her daughter had severe bipolar and mental health issues, which led to the suicide. And she said it was, the loss was, you know, crushing for her. Um, but she felt inspired to, she wanted to go see this orphanage in India because she just wanted to know this side of her daughter that she didn't know. So she went to India, saw the orphanage, met the kids, started a nonprofit. In the meantime, while she was there, she saw people with leprosy, which she thought was completely eradicated yeah, and found out it wasn't and um, just felt pulled to help these people with leprosy and has spent years going through, you know, starting an organization to help them, finding doctors who will help them, which was a challenge. Exactly. And partnering with other organizations. Anyway, she's just made it her life mission. It said, I think she's done like 66 trips to India over the years, helping the people there. And it just sounds really cool. I want to go listen to the podcast so I can hear the whole story. And the other thing that she talks about too, is she says, you know, on these trips to India, when she is serving others, Mm -hmm. she feels this absolute closeness to her daughter and she feels her daughter is there with her. And that's one of the reasons why she's made so many trips to India is Mm -hmm. when she's there, she feels like she really has this ability to connect with her daughter. And I just loved this story because I, first of all, I can't imagine anything worse than losing a child, let alone losing a child to suicide. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and, and to be able to take this and, and make something good of it. And she does talk about that in the podcast as well. There was a horrific, I think, tsunami that hit India Mm -hmm. and destroyed, um, and killed a bunch of people. And one of the people in India she was working with said, you know, why does, is there really a God? Would God let this happen? And she said, you know, my daughter died and good things came of it. Good things come of bad situations. And so you just watch good things will come of this situation. And homes were being able to be rebuilt with, you know, better plumbing and electricity and just really an opportunity to engage in Christ-like service and to share her testimony and her belief mm-hmm. with these individuals in India. Yeah. So I I want to go listen to it now yeah. too. It was a cool story. It so was. it's called This is the Gospel LDS Living Podcast. Yes. Okay. All right. Shall we move on to Mormons behaving badly? Oh, yes. This month we've got another one from Idaho. How can we have so many Mormons behaving badly in Idaho? I don't know. <laughs> okay. Maybe we're just more aware of them because we're here. Maybe we are. <laughs> so this story not only made local coverage, but it also made national coverage, as in Newsweek. So right now our legislature is in session. And there is a gentleman by the name of Chad Christensen, and he lives in Ammon, Idaho. So you can only imagine that someone who lives in Ammon, Idaho, which is over in eastern Idaho, yes, folks, he is quite LDS, and he is in the House of Representatives. So a couple weeks ago, his buddy is up there testifying, or not testifying, but making argument on a bill. And it was a it was a bill that they were making a decision whether or not they were going to um, allow legal notices to still continue to be published in the newspaper, or they were just going to throw them up on a website. And it, there was a lot of debate in Idaho about this. So whenever the legislature is in session, our public television happens to be there and has cameras on the representatives and senators as they are debating issues. So they had a camera on this gentleman who is debating this issue. Chad Christensen is sitting behind him. What does Chad Christensen do? He makes bunny ears (laughs) on the camera 
for the representative. Now, he can't quite get it right. So he's sitting there with his fingers up in the air, moving his fingers around, looking at the camera, the, you know, the, the picture that's being reflected back so he can get the bunny ears just right. Yeah. Um, Probably not the most appropriate time to be making bunny ears. You can't make this stuff up. I can't make this stuff up. So, of course, the Speaker of the House says, you know, um, civility is an important part of the legislative process and should be cultivated by all members as they work in the best interest of their constituents. Unfortunately, lines were crossed today and Representative Christensen exhibit behavior unbecoming of a representative. Now, Christensen has a completely different take on it. He's like, oh, it's just a little good-natured fun. I realized after I did it, I probably shouldn't do it. The Speaker of the House really didn't get mad at me. He just said, consider yourself admonished with a wet noodle, uh, wet noodle oh. thrashing. You know, boys will be boys. I just like to have fun, and my constituents like to know it. How long has he been in? Do we know? Is he a newbie? He's been in too long. <laughs> I don't care how long he's been in. It's been too long. Good point. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. So, you know, I'm all for good-natured fun. I don't have a problem with good-natured fun. But there is a time and a place for good-natured fun. (laughs) Representative Christensen, you are not representing neither your your district nor members of the church by putting bunny ears. No. While someone is debating. You need to at least act a little bit more mature than the high school page that is serving (laughs) in the legislature. No kidding. (laughs) So yes, he is my example of Mormons behaving badly this week because two weeks out, I'm still incensed by it. Yeah, it's bad. It's real bad. Okay, let's move on to our favorite things okay. before you have to peel me off the ceiling. Because the more we talk about this, the more you're going to have to peel me off the ceiling. Okay, I'll go first. Um, my favorite thing this month is a podcast, which I can't believe I haven't shared before because I've listened to this one off and on for years. Um, it is called The Lazy Genius Podcast. Oh, have I never told you about the no, Lazy you've Genius podcast? No, you never told me about the Lazy Genius. She's really good. Her name is Kendra Adachi is the host. And she, um, her slogan is, be a genius about the things that matter and lazy about the things that don't. Oh, I already like this. So, and her podcasts are short. They're like 20 to 30 minutes. And they're tips on like, you know, sometimes she does meal planning. Sometimes she does, you know, back to school. Sometimes she does... I don't know. It's all over the place. Just, you know, life hack type things yeah. and how to organize. She just has like a really organized way of like thinking about life and um, rephrasing the way you think about things. And she's really good. I like her. And the reason she's on my mind is because I binged. I don't subscribe and listen every week. I kind of get on and pick which topics um, interest me the most. And I binged this weekend some of her latest ones because I haven't listened in a while. And she awesome one about adult screen time, how to lazy genius your adult screen time. And it wasn't like shaming at all. It was very much like, these are screens. They're important. If, if you want to, you know, get a better handle on it, here's some ideas, here's some tricks. Like this is, these are some things I do. It wasn't like shaming, like get off your phone. It was just like, here's some ideas. If you would like to spend less time on your phone, it was really good. And then she did another one um, just last week called the lazy genius navigates a faith crisis. 
Oh. This was so interesting to me because she is not LDS. Okay. She lives in the Midwest or maybe in the South. I think she lives in the South and is like in the whole Christian evangelical okay. circle there. And she had another co-host come on for that week who's also like evangelical Christian. And I was like, they use the same terminology as we do. Okay. <laughs> like I did not know the word faith crisis was used outside of the of LDS the Mormon community. vernacular. Did you know this? No, I really didn't. Anyway, so they discussed faith crisis in kind of that regards. Obviously, they weren't talking LDS at all. It yes. was just general general Christian faith, faith crisis. crisis. It was so fascinating to me because oh, very interesting. So many similarities. You know, obviously different. Yeah. But really relatable, like similarities in what sometimes LDS people go through, some, you know, same as some of these evangelical Christian groups. So those were like two really good ones, but she does, she has just tons of great topics. She's fun to listen to. So, okay. Well, I'm going to have to go check that out. Okay. What's yours? Is an Instagram site. Told to me by my 20-year-old daughter. Oh. She knows all she the does. good Instagram she's sites. She's always telling us who to follow. She really is. She's an excellent curator of Instagram. <laughs> she's an excellent curator. This is called Zillow Gone Wild. <gasps> So if real estate is your porn, because let me tell you, real estate is my porn, I could look at houses all day long. Absolutely love looking at houses. So they post houses that they have find on Zillow, like from all over the country. Uh These are these are houses that are currently for sale. Okay. Okay? So you're not going to find your house posted on Zillow. Okay. Okay. And so these are houses that are currently for sale. And some of these houses are outlandishly like designed, Uh or they have outlandish decor, or they have outlandish exteriors, or they're just like Big. And anyway, so one of the ones that they posted over the weekend was actually in Lake Tahoe. And it was $650,000, only 2,100 square feet. But they show the pictures from inside the house. And whoever owns this house has a fetish for mannequins. And there are <laughs> mannequins all over this house dressed up in ball gowns. You're kidding me. I am not kidding So you. this is like the site you could go to look at like weird houses. Exactly. So or these, creepy things or keep, creepy people things keep in their houses. People keep in their and houses. And do not remove before they list. Apparently, <laughs> these people must not have real estate agents. These are like all for sale by owners, right? I I have no idea because if I were a real estate agent and I went in this house, the first thing I would say is get rid of the mannequins. The mannequins <gasps> oh. need to go in storage. But I don't know. Maybe the person who owns this house, these mannequins are like their children. I don't know. But there's just like mannequins all over the house. Oh. It's like so creepy. Oh, this sounds like an excellent account. And there was another one I watched where the whole interior of the house was purple. Every room was purple. Oh. Which again, I'm like, first thing a real estate agent is going to tell you if you want to sell your house you need to paint the walls a neutral color. Oh my goodness. And purple is not a neutral color. Anyway, so it is very interesting because um, it, uh, you know, you get kind of a feel for the real estate prices in other areas mm-hmm. of the country. And we are in a market right now here in the Boise area where real estate is just like hot beyond belief. And so it's kind of been interesting for me to see some of these other places and go, dang, I could sell my house and actually afford to live there. <laughs> But you might have to buy a mannequin house. I might have to buy a mannequin house. (laughs) Anyway, so that is my favorite thing is this Zillow Gone Wild. Okay, I'm definitely checking that out. Yeah, you want to. (laughs) Okay, I think that about wraps it up for us. 
All right. It's been fun. Thank you for listening, everyone. We always appreciate it. We do. And if you have any questions or comments, you can email at contact at thisweekinmormons.com. You can find us on Facebook and the Twitter and Instagram. Oh, Jeff would say, go leave a review. Go leave a review on Apple because that that ups something or rather. He explained it the other week with Kurt, but I wasn't really paying attention. It does something good. It does good things. So go leave (laughs) us a review if you haven't. So, And thanks so much for listening. Good night. Mm -hmm.